I think here that the, uh, what the data what the data are telling us is that it's more of a story of obviously being worried about uh, yourself and your family and friends, but also a story about restrictions, and uh, which is uh, uh, not surprising given what we've been hearing now in the past few years. Hello and welcome to the Practical Democracy podcast by Delib. My name is Sawina Groven and I'll be speaking with some great movers and shakers working to make practical change today. On this episode, we'll be talking about studies of political science and psychology looking at the effects of COVID-19 stresses on political attitudes and support. I'll let today's guest introduce himself. Luca Bernardi, senior lecturer in politics uh, at the Department of Politics at the University of Liverpool. Luca Bernardi has, together with Ian Gottlieb, published a study titled COVID-19 Stresses, Mental, Emotional Distress and Political Support. So firstly, Luca will talk you through their starting point and their hypothesis. So the idea... Uh... Uh, that we started with uh, in mind when we when we started working on this project uh, together with Professor Ian Gottlieb uh, from Stanford University is, is a psychologist and and so we try to combine efforts and and, and join forces between political science and psychology and so the, the idea that we started with was uh, the COVID stressors might influence uh, mental health, which in turn uh, influence uh, p- political uh, influences political attitudes and 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 political support. And so uh, the the initial idea was that uh, we took it from psychological studies about uh, the stress vulnerability hypothesis, uh, because we know that uh, uh, that uh, life stressors uh, are, are are a common risk factor for mental health problems. And so that was a starting point. Covid as a as a uh, as a life stressor so this would be uh, sort of the idea between the link between mental uh, between covid and, and and mental health and the second uh, part of this uh, model let's say working model that we've uh, that we've been developing uh, is actually linking mental health and and, and political attitudes there's been a, a, a lot of work recently in the past uh, let's say uh, at, at least uh, five years or so linking uh, mental health problems and, and and political engagement in general so political participation but also political attitudes and and which generally points uh, towards a sort of a negative picture that mental health problems uh, either are ne- negatively associated with political participation and, and and especially voting and with political attitudes meaning that uh, for instance they would people with mental health problems especially depression uh, there was there's been a lot of work on depression in the past few years and and looking at depression and for instance and and, and, and trusting government or uh, or um, feelings of uh, of representation mm-hmm. and uh, and and satisfaction with uh, with political uh, with political objects in general, and they all point uh, in a negative in a negative direction. So that's the sort of a second link, uh, the one between mental health and and, and political attitudes. Obviously, uh, the idea is also is also that COVID uh, COVID nineteen stressors might have themselves a, a, an impact on uh, on on political attitudes and political support, and and this was. Uh, there was pretty much in the, in 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 the recent literature on COVID, some sort of a uh, competing hypothesis, if you like. So some scholars were uh, pointing towards uh, these really uh, around the flag effects, 
uh, what does it mean? It means that uh, uh, that, that the citizens uh, um, and, um, they sort of uh, tightens bonds amongst uh, amongst themselves uh, uh, in in response to a to a common external threat, which is mm. COVID, and uh, and and they uh, abide with and approve uh, institutional responses. Uh, which in turn sh- should lead to a uh, to a to an increase in, in trust, for instance, in in, in government, or or increase in in in, in, in political support in general. Uh, uh, that that would be one hypothesis. But actually, the, uh, there's also a, a, another hypothesis which comes from uh, political psychology and and more um, from the research on on, on worry, anxiety, and, and, and stress. How how anxieties and, and and worries can actually facilitate information seeking and information processing, and so uh, the idea here w- would be that COVID nineteen uh, stressors in a way would foster uh, blame attributions, and 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 by by facilitating uh, information seeking and processing, which in turn would would instead uh, point to a different outcome, which is a, a, a reduction or a negative effect on on political support, and and. So uh, putting these three things together, the, the model that, we, uh, that we've been working with is actually this one, the COVID-19 stressors uh, through m- mental distress might then influence uh, political, uh, political attitudes. So that's, uh, that's what, we, what, we've been, what we've been trying to, to, the puzzle that we've been trying to solve in the, uh, in, in, in the last uh, uh, sort of a couple of years, pretty much. <laughs> So, how did the research work? Who took part and what did they ask people? Let me tell you something about the data that we've been actually uh, collecting in, uh, in, since August 2020. The, 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 the sample is a representative sample of, of British people. Uh, and so, uh, we've been able to conduct four surveys, actually. So, one in August 2020, one in March 2021, and, and, and these are independent surveys. And, then, uh, uh, thanks to the University of Liverpool, uh, I managed to conduct uh, a longitudinal study uh, from February 2022. And actually, the, the fourth survey is, is, is undergoing right now. And people are taking the survey right now. And, and so there's going to be a follow-up now in, in May. And so the evidence that, I, uh, that I'm able to use comes from uh, cross-sectional uh, surveys, but also longitudinal surveys. So cross-sectional surveys in this sense can, can give us a, 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 a sense of what's going on in terms of relationships between these, uh, these factors that, that, they, that we're looking at, but also try to see, obviously, over time, if there are, if there are meaningful, meaningful changes in terms of, uh, for instance, a, a, an average increase in, uh, in, uh, in, for instance, symptoms of mental distress, for example. And obviously, longitudinal studies, uh, instead, uh, um, they would help us more uh, Try to understand the impact of, of COVID stressors on mental health and, and, and political attitudes. So, having said so, the questions that we uh, that we asked in, in the survey, so that I can give you a little bit of context about this. By by COVID nineteen stressors, I mean all those worries and anxieties related to COVID. So, uh, they, you will catch COVID and you will die, or that something like this would happen to your family uh, or your friends. Worries about your financial situation. And uh, even worries about losing your job, and worries about uh, uh, the negative impact uh, that COVID had, uh, has on society uh, in the longer term. So th- th- these kind of questions, 
And uh, the other set of questions that we've been asking are more related to uh, perceptions of anti-pandemic measures. And so we ask people, uh, how much are you stressed about wearing a mask in public spaces or, or about uh, restrictions on leaving your home or uh, reduction in social contacts? So that's a set of the, the two, two sets of COVID stressors that we're working with. Uh, and, and it's interesting because some of them might point in, in, in different directions when it comes to, to, to study the, the, the relationship with, uh, with, for instance, political attitudes. And so uh, in, in terms of attitudes, what we've been asking people about is about trust, the trust in government, the satisfaction with government performance on COVID-19 and their internal political efficacy, so their own perception of understanding of politics, their, their self-efficacy in politics, but also the, um, the, the perception of the responsiveness of the political system. So these, these feelings of, of feeling represented by the system. And, 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 and actually, in, in, in the last survey, uh, uh, we've been able to ask as well uh, about satisfaction with democracy. So uh, what's the story here? Uh, Let's say that there's a more coherent story between uh, between uh, uh, COVID nineteen stressors and mental health, uh, and so we've been asking about symptoms of depression, symptoms of anxiety, uh, and symptoms of stress, uh, mostly, and uh, so by using validated scales of 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 of, uh, of depression, anxiety, and stress. So uh, the evidence that comes out of the cross-sectional surveys. So when we look at the evidence uh, in terms of associations between uh, between these between these factors what's what's interesting i think that uh, it's worth mentioning here is that obviously there's a negative association between covid-19 stressors and symptoms of mental distress and and we've seen this uh, in 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 august 2020 we've seen it in 2021 and and now in february 2022 and uh, but what was interesting here is that maybe perhaps people uh, uh, sort of Got more uh, accustomed to uh, to anti-pandemic measures, and so these uh, these effects between uh, uh, COVID nineteen stress factors due to anti-pandemic measures they are still there uh, on mental uh, on mental health, but they uh, their sort of effect size is is reduced, if you like, and and it is not actually the case for COVID those those worry factors that I mentioned before. They actually this year the effect actually even increased. And, and when it comes to relating COVID-19 stressors and political attitudes, so, so for instance, trusting government or, 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 or external political efficacy, so these feelings of, of, uh, of being represented or, or satisfaction with, with, with the other way, uh, with the way the government is handling the pandemic, there was actually uh, 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 something important going on with trust and, 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 uh, and, and, and satisfaction uh, this year compared to last year. Meaning that uh, whereas last year COVID war is probably because of this really random flag effect that I mentioned at the beginning, that uh, uh, there was not such of a uh, such of a reduction in in in, uh, in, uh, in in political trust, which is something instead that uh, they were funding here, uh, they were funding uh, in February, and and this actually in a way I think makes sense because if we have a look at the uh, at the average levels of trust in the in the in the survey, trust went down of actually one point uh, between last year and this year. And you know, in a way, this is a uh, this is a first set of evidence that we're finding. So pretty much the COVID nineteen, especially worries around COVID nineteen, they are uh, negatively associated with feelings of representation, trust in government, and satisfaction with government. And 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 
so this is in terms of the uh, cross-sectional evidence. When it comes to try to understand better the impact of of COVID stressors on mental health and political attitudes, so we, we try to do this by by looking at longitudinal data. So what we did is to to interview the same uh, the same people twice so far. So people that were interviewed uh, in 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 March 2021. Uh, they took the survey again in, in February 2022. So this way we, we were able to, to understand what changes uh, within persons. And so, uh, and w- and because this is telling us, uh, this can tell us uh, much more in terms of the impact uh, that COVID stressors have been having. And, and, and there's two, two things here to mention. So one is related to, to COVID uh, stressors and mental health, right? And, and what's interesting here, when we look at a different sets of, sets of uh, stressors, being worried about your life and your family and, and, and friends uh, and, uh, and, and, and reduction actually in, in, in social, uh, in social uh, reduction in social contacts and restrictions on living your home, these ones are mostly the, uh, the, 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 the stressors that have uh, uh, a negative effect on depression, anxiety and stress. And uh, it, there's also something going on with finances, worries about your, your, your financial situation, uh, which instead is related to uh, a, an increase in, in stress. So uh, I think that here that the, uh, what, the data, what the data are telling us is that it's more of a story of obviously being worried about uh, uh, yourself and your family and friends, but also a story about uh, restrictions, and, uh, which is... Uh, uh, not surprising, given what we've been uh, what we've been hearing now in the past in, in the past few years. Uh, but when it comes now to to try to understand this impact uh, on political uh, attitudes, and, and what's interesting here is that uh, there, the, some stressors point in some direction, and some some other stressors point in some other direction. And um, so, when uh, for instance, uh, uh, when it comes to worries about uh, uh, your own life and, and your friends and your family uh, about catching COVID or, or being seriously unwell or die, actually uh, the sort of an increase in, in these stressors is related to an increase in, in external political efficacy uh, um, and, and trust in government especially. Meaning uh, the more you have in these feelings, the, the, the more you, you trust the government or the more you, you, you're feeling represented in a way. And, and so this actually goes back a little bit to this uh, rally around the flag effects probably that I was mentioning at the beginning. But this is actually sort of, a, there's a counter effect here going on, which is the one related to other kinds of, of, of worries, which are more related to uh, financial situations, the financial impact of, of COVID on, 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 your, on your family and, and your household. And, but also the, the negative, the potential negative uh, uh, long-standing effects of COVID on society. So these kind of stressors, instead, they reduce uh, trusting government and uh, these feelings of, of, of representation. And, and, and actually as well, uh, the satisfaction with, with the economy. Uh, so, uh, so long story short, some, some COVID factors uh, are more... Um, Actually, there's a there's a positive relationship with with, with uh, for instance trust and and feelings of representation, but some other COVID stressors point in the opposite direction. And what's interesting here is that when it comes to those other stressors uh, related to anti-pandemic measures, we don't find any evidence uh, that that for instance uh, restrictions on, on leaving your home or 
or, or reduction in social contacts reduce, uh, for instance, trust or, or, or feelings of representation again. And, um, and so there's a, uh, there, there are some effects, obviously, on the way finding uh, uh, COVID stressors, but, but some others, they're, they're, they're not really there. I think that this is important because then we uh, it would help actually uh, policymakers to to try and tackle what are the the, the 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 important stressors there that might have an impact on 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 political support in this case. So when it comes to the uh, the effect of health on political participation, scholars have been working with with a number of hypotheses here. Let's say so one is about that obviously if you are um, Health would be one of one of the resources for participation, like many other resources that people have, uh, like uh, time or or motivation or 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 money, for instance. And usually, people who who have much more of these resources, they tend to participate in politics more, and 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 so health can be seen as a as a resource uh, as well. And obviously, if you are in poor health. Uh, the idea here is that you would participate less in politics because you lack, when it comes to mental health, especially uh, the, the cognitive resources to participate and the motivation, obviously, if you are depressed, for instance, for sure, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, but, also, uh, but also physical strength for, for, for participation because it, it costs you to go out and, and, and participate. And, uh, uh, and so this kind of hypothesis here has been actually tested and, and it found support when it comes to voting and and because uh, uh and also because perhaps uh, uh uh people don't don't necessarily think that their their votes might make a difference uh, because obviously uh, uh voting is uh from a from at least from a from a rational choice viewpoint, uh, we only have a, a, a very very tiny tiny uh, tiny chance to influence uh, uh, what's going on in the political uh, landscapes uh, by voting, and and so this can be uh, this can be a reason for why as well uh, people, if, for instance, in poor mental health like uh, depression, they, they they tend to vote less because they lack their self-efficacy and, and, and motivation to participate in this sense. And, uh, but uh, there are also some other uh, hypotheses that they might point in different directions. So colleagues like my colleagues from Finland, like Miko Matila and, and, and Lauri Rapelli and Achilles Papagiorgio, but even other colleagues working on, on disability uh, and, and, and political participation, uh, like my colleague Stephanie Reher from Strathclyde. So they've been, uh, they've been uh, working with also some other hypotheses there, which, which are more about uh, actually being in, being in poor health might even motivate you to participate more in order to change things. And, uh, or, or this is, can also be uh, because of some group identity. So you belong to a certain group. I know that with mental health problems, this is much more complicated to establish because obviously uh, when it comes to symptoms of mental distress, they come and go and, uh, and the cycle of, uh, for instance, of depression changes. So it's really, uh, it's really difficult to, to make boundaries in terms of uh, group identities in this sense. But, uh, but there might be something going on uh, with this anyway motivation to 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 change things and, and so participate more and when i try to test these things uh, with the data uh, that i have the negative effect uh, on voting is there but but it's actually uh, uh, some other forms of participation for some other forms of participation uh, i found actually a, a positive relationship between uh, symptoms of mental distress like depression anxiety and stress and uh, uh, 
and participation. So just to give you an example, for instance, people who have more severe symptoms of depression, they during the pandemic, at least, uh, they've been uh, uh, posting uh, more things online about politics or, or, or um, actually boycotting products as well. And, 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 and signing petitions. So there was an increase in these activities during the past year for people who experienced, uh, who experienced uh, higher symptoms of mental distress, whether this is anxiety, depression or stress. And, and so it was, it's actually interesting, again, that there might be on the one hand a negative effect on participation when it comes especially to voting. And for all, perhaps all those forms of, uh, uh, of uh, those physical forms of participation, if you like, which is actually something that other colleagues of mine, Christopher Ojeda, for instance, and Claudia Landwehr, they, they, they actually, uh, they found actually depression uh, as a negative impact on, on those physical forms of participation, like voting, for instance. And instead, it wasn't the case for non-physical forms of, of participation. And in a way, this, uh, this echoes also this uh, these, these previous findings from previous research. What can Luca tell us about the effects of mental health and political participation? Especially when it comes to uh, to people with mental health problems, it, it's hard for them to participate in politics on the one hand, at least when it comes to, 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 to voting and, and being heard in this sense. <laughs> but it, it's also uh, more difficult for them to, uh, to participate in surveys. And so it's... It, it, it's much more uh, difficult than for policymakers to know what uh, people experiencing mental health problems uh, want uh, in terms of what are their preferences, uh, what are the priorities. And so this obviously has implications for, uh, for representation. Uh, but was, what was also interesting is that uh, with this data, uh, I was able to go beyond depression and, and see also what's going on with other uh, mental health problems like anxiety, for instance. And again, uh, the mental health voting gap uh, is is there just to give you uh, just to give you an example when we look at for instance differences between the top 10 uh, at the on the on the distribution right the, the ones who have who experienced more severe symptoms of of anxiety stress and, and depression and the ones at the bottom so the ones who, who experience very low symptoms or no symptoms the uh, the gap in voting there is actually 7% so it's uh, which is in line uh, in a way with without with what other research has been uh, finding about depression but it's interesting that, uh, that this applies to uh, other common mental health problems as well so did covid affect political attitudes so from at least from the evidence that from the evidence that so far uh, we've been gathering and in general uh, not only from this project but also from other research that we'll be conducting on on, on depression, for instance, and, and, and political uh, efficacy and voting. So there might be two things here uh, that it's worth mentioning. When it comes to this research on, on COVID effects, right, on, on, on political attitudes, then there, there's definitely something going on with mental health being a, a mediator between COVID stressors and political attitudes and some of those political attitudes that I mentioned earlier. And so obviously the idea is that perhaps if we can improve mental well-being and reduce mental distress, then in turn this might have beneficial implications for those uh, some of those political support factors that I mentioned before, such as trust in government or or feelings of representation, for instance. So that that's the first thing to consider. And uh, 
when it comes instead of when it comes to the uh, at least the um, the relationship between mental health and, and and political participation very especially voting because especially the kind of a consistent negative finding is, is the one on voting right what we've been doing and what we've been discovering is, is actually that tackling feelings of representation might actually uh, uh, might actually uh, have beneficial effects on voting this, that, that was the evidence that we gathered from uh, from our research on depression, because we know that depression, the people with depression have both a lower internal and external efficacy, meaning uh, they, they both have a lower self-efficacy in politics and uh, uh, a lower, uh, perce- a more negative perception of, of the responsiveness of the system. But what was interesting there is that it is this negative perception of, of, of representation of responsiveness that helps us uh, explain why uh, uh, people with depression tend to vote less. And, and so, for instance, we can use this, uh, this evidence to, to, to point towards some, some of those political attitudes they might. Uh, the, so if we increase, for instance, in this sense, feelings of representation, but it might be similar uh, a similar story with trust in government, then it, uh, it might have a, a potentially positive effects on eventually on on voting. Obviously, we need to see whether this this is uh, this is the case also for other common mental health problems than depression. But uh, but this this is certainly a, 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 an important starting point. When it comes to uh, those, for instance, when it comes to depression, to those negativity biases associated with depression. And and what's actually very interesting, and in some other research with with Rob Jones, that we've been uh, finding all the time negative uh, effects of of depression on satisfaction with a uh, with evaluation of a bunch of political objects like uh, democracy or uh, government or the economy or health services or education as well. And so the idea here is that if we perhaps tackle all those attitudes and and trying to improve depressed people, for instance. Uh, feelings of, of of representation, but also their assessment and, and evaluation of of political objects, then it might potentially, perhaps, might have implications in a positive way on on, on voting. There we have it. Thank you so much to Dr. Luca Bernardi for joining the podcast and sharing his research with us. If you want to follow the work Luca does, you can find him on Twitter at Bernardi underscore L. I have added links to his research in this episode's description if you want to find out more. Thank you very much for listening. Should you wish to contact us, you can tweet us at thelibthinks or email info at thelib.net. This episode is hosted, edited and produced for The Lib by me, Sabina Groven. Our creative director is Tiffany Maddox. I'll be back next month with another episode. Until then, you can visit newsroom.thelib.net for great content on people making practical change, improving democracy. Bye.